David Powers police officers were able to reunite the pets with their elderly owner thanks to swift and tenacious work by a number of departments. The force received a report of a burglary on Wednesday, February 3rd, during which four King Charles Cavaliers, a Bichon Frise and a Golden Cocker Spaniel were taken, leaving the 77-year-old Carmarthen owner distraught. Case officer PC Sophie Adams immediately began carrying out inquiries to locate the dogs, with support from Carmarthen response officers, colleagues from the Pembrokeshire Division and Rhodes policing officers. Sergeant Darren Morgan said one of the dogs was found nearby and PC Adams conducted all possible lines of inquiry to find the other five as quickly as possible. Using information supplied by the owner, she was able to identify a vehicle which was brought to a stop by Pembrokeshire Roads Policing Unit in the Haverford West area on Thursday morning. A 17-year-old has been arrested on suspicion of burglary and has been released under investigation pending forensic investigations and digital inquiries. A 47-year-old Pembroke dockman has expressed his remorse at making a threatening phone call. Stephen Charge of Pembroke Street appeared at Haverford West Magistrates Court on Tuesday, February the 2nd. He admitted the offence under the Malicious Communications Act. The court heard that the phone call in question was made to a man on October the 4th at Pembroke. Charge's guilty plea was taken into account by the magistrates, as well as the fact he had shown remorse and apologised in court for his actions. He was fined £80 and ordered to pay £85 costs and a £34 surcharge. Hewilthar University Health Board is asking people in vaccine priority groups 1 to 3 across Ceredigion, Pembrokeshire and Carmarthenshire to get in touch as soon as possible if they've not yet received a COVID-19 vaccine appointment. Who to contact? Well, for priority group 1, that's older adult care home staff, priority group 2, frontline health and social care staff, and priority group 3, people aged 75 to 79, they should phone 0300 303 8322. For people aged 80 and over, contact your GP practice directly. Police are appealing for witnesses to an incident of criminal damage that took place at an address on Gerald Road, Haverford West, at approximately 3.30pm on Monday, January the 25th. During the incident, a window and garden items were damaged. Anyone with information that could help officers with their investigation is asked to report it by emailing 101 at david-powers.pnn.police.uk or by calling 101. And that's it. You're up to date with the Pembrokeshire News with me, Kim Thomas, here on Pure West Radio. Pure West Radio. Stop the clocks, it's amazing. You should see the way the light dances off your head. A million colours of hazel, golden and red. Saturday morning is fading The sun's reflected by the coffee in your hand My eyes are caught in your gaze all over again We were love drunk waiting on a miracle Trying to find ourselves in the winter snow So 
Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. A very good morning. Welcome to Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Between now and nine, we are talking rugby, football and cricket. Bill Kahn will be with me in a few moments' time. We've got an archive interview as well. Fraser Watson and Gordon Thomas from our Pure West Sport team will be on the show. It's the opening weekend of the Six Nations. Italy play France at 215 England-Scotland is the quarter to five game and tomorrow it's Wales-Ireland at three o'clock and we'll have some build-up to those games right here on Pure West Sport as we kick off your Saturday morning. Once again, a very good morning and welcome to the start of the weekend, Saturday morning on Pure West Sport. And to help me kick the show off, I am joined uh, once again by Bill Kahn. Morning, Bill. Good to see you. Hi, this is going to be a nice regular thing I like on a Saturday morning with no local sport. It's nice to just have a chat with my old pal here, yeah. Yeah, indeed, and an exciting weekend. We're going to talk to Gordon a bit about the Six Nations later, but good to have some rugby on to watch. Shame there'll be no supporters in the ground, but for everyone watching at home, at least we've got plenty of Six Nations action this weekend. Yeah, what's nice is that people can watch that and can watch it fairly comfortably, so that's good. Yeah, indeed. And also a century this week for one of your favourite batsmen, I think, Joe Root. I watched this morning. I'm ashamed to say I got up at about half past four. I couldn't not. It's like an alarm clock in my head. And Marilyn thinks I'm mad, but up I got and I watched that. Let's talk about Joe Root for a minute because we we mentioned him on on the show actually on Monday. 100 test matches now as well. How good do you think he is? Well, he's only 30, Ben. I mean, I listened to Sir Alistair this morning, Mr Cook, and he was saying that at that age he could well carry on. At this, He's not, you know, he's at about his peak now and for the next two or three years minimum. He's very fit. He loves the game. He loves playing. He's a personable guy. What an advert for cricket, huh? Uh, yeah, he, he must be one of the best, though, I think. And he's going oh. to become one of the best. And he probably will overtake Alistair Cook if he keeps going the way he's going, which is um, no small achievement. Really, when you no, think there's only there's only sports. three in front of him, and he'll catch two of those this year almost certainly now, mm. and he will be second. But he's played a lot fewer games than Alistair Cook, so that's nice. You know, I know you like Kevin Peterson, but he's reached his 
He's overtaken P- Peterson having played about eight games fewer. So it's quite remarkable. He has. I think Kevin Peterson, for me, will, is the best batsman I've seen play for England. And we'll, I think we we'll, might have to talk about this on the show at some point on a Monday, actually. I think Root's getting there and, and Root's multi-format as well, like Peterson. Um, I, I, Peterson's ability to take an innings away was, was what I always liked. And I think hopefully Joe Root will, will get there as well and, and just have that really big series. I heard Michael Vaughan say he's, he's never quite in an Ashes series led from the front and scored all the runs. Maybe this this year is his year because it, we're in India now, Australia to come. This could be Joe Root's year, couldn't it, when we actually start talking it, about him as being one of the very yeah. best. All, all the experts I, I respect seem to be saying he's the most magnificent player of spin bowling they've mm. seen. His sweeping, his reverse sweep, all the little deft touches, you know, that drive the opposition mad. But I think he's got more than that and uh, he'll do for me, Ben, for a while. Yeah, he's class act, no doubt about it. We spoke on Monday's show, and the video's still on the Facebook page, so if you didn't get to see this, uh, we spoke to Dom Day, didn't we, from <laughs> Lamphy, yeah. of course. I thought that was a really good interview, and I, I definitely recommend people have a look at that on the Facebook page today. Again, such a natural guy. He's funny without... He's like James Davis. He's naturally funny without meaning to be funny. And, he, you know, he comes up with things that make you chuckle. You can't help it. He's a very, very nice fellow, is Dom. Understated. Brought, yeah, right. And he's brought Pembrokeshire to the fore with his play all over the world. And he's a great character. Very, and, you know, he doesn't call himself a great rugby player, but he enjoys what he does. And yeah. my word, he's had some experiences. You know? well, he has, and he's made so many appearances, nearly 100 for the Scarlets, over 100 for Bath as well. He's had a great career, Dom Day. Um, that video is on the Facebook page. So do have a yeah. look at that. Um, on the show this coming Monday, between 8 and 9, I'll be live on Facebook. We're actually talking about a, a very local issue in Haken, but some really mm. good news, which actually is good for Pembrokeshire football as a whole. Just tell us who we're speaking to on Monday, we're talking to Chris Tanzi, who's arguably the most, he'd say definitely the most successful manager in Pembrokeshire. He, I think he ranks alongside Gary Dawes with that. His team won seven uh, Pembrokeshire League titles on the trot, about four uh, Pembrokeshire Knockout Cup, and they won the West Wales Cup, so you can't get much better. And Chris isn't hugely involved on the committee or anything now, but he's just joined Lance Rutherford as the chief negotiators for um, the chance to buy the OBS. And, and you know, it's it's in everyone's heart in Haken. They love the OBS, the observatory field, as I call it. And um, they bought that. And it's a huge sort of shot in the arm for them. They now own their own ground. They've made magnificent changes to it. They'll work at the pitch continually. They've got their own clubhouse and change rooms. It's a wonderful thing. So we're going to talk to Chris about how this came about, but also about his own playing days. He was laughingly telling me this week, Unfortunately, he, was a, he wasn't quite as good a player as he felt he was. And okay. he said there was a lot of us like that. So when he was playing, he didn't have huge success with Higgin. But as a club man and as a sponsor, he, he's a the manager. I know he's a director, I think he is, of Manderwood. And they sponsored Higgin for many years with Jimmy Yeomans as the managing director. And uh, he sponsors the Pembershire Football League. He sponsors my website. He genuinely is involved in Pembershire sport. He's also, amazingly, a great supporter from childhood of Sunderland, would you believe? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be many of them in Pembershire. Well, no, he's brought up in Sunderland. Uh, I think that's the thing. But, uh, yeah, Tans is a good bloke. We'll enjoy having a chat to him.
Excellent. He's with us on Monday. Right. We're going to go back through the archives in a few moments, talking cricket, actually, uh, in just a few moments time, as we do on a Saturday morning, as we kick off the weekend. Uh, Bill Khan is with me on Pure West Sport. Hi, Tony. How's things at the Johnson Garden Centre? Ah, morning, Matt. We're fairly busy. Central shop sales of coal, flow gas, logs and hardware. How about all your garden products and crafts? Many customers check out our Facebook page and arrange safe delivery. When is Johnson Garden Centre open now? Until the end of lockdown, we are open Monday to Saturday from 10 till 2. Sunday from 10 till 12. We start delivering after we close every day, but check our Facebook page for updates. I believe you have an after-hour flow gas service as well. Yes, when the shop is shut, you can call to arrange collection before 8 o'clock or place an order for the next working day. Visit Johnson Garden Centre or give us a call on 07891 675 080. We've got so much to offer. Do you need a cash loan? Loans at Home could help. We offer loans of between £100 and £600 and have over 60 years of experience of helping people in the Pembrokeshire area and beyond. Go online at loansathome.co.uk to get a decision in principle now. Compare the price of home collected and other cash loans available in your area at www.lenderscompare.org.uk. Representative 466.4% APR. Loan subject to affordability. At Folly Farm, you're guaranteed a fun family day out. Explore the zoo, experience the barn, have fun at the fairground, or just go and play. You get to pick your own adventure, and it's never been more affordable. With 15% off day tickets purchased in advance online, or the great value annual passes where you only have to visit more than twice to start saving. What better time to experience the excitement that a day at Folly Farm brings? Zoo, barn, fairground, play. Pick your own adventure at Folly Farm.
can't sleep. My foot in your nose and you hypnotize me. You got me trembling like a little baby girl. You're so special, you're like diamonds and pearls. You got me spinning and you got me in a twirl. You're my number one baby and you come to rock my world. You're dangerous, just get it out. The way you move, so scandalous. It's all about the two of us. Oh, one nice thing just ain't enough. Mystique and Scandalous on Pure West Radio. It's Saturday morning. I'm Ben Stone, Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Gordon Thomas coming up before nine because it's Six Nations Saturday. We will preview Italy against France, England against Scotland and tomorrow's match between Wales and Ireland. But let's go back through the archives as we do on a Saturday morning at this time. We're going to hear a clip of an interview we did with cricketer Henderson Springer back in 2011. And Bill Kahn, he's someone who had a big impact on cricket in the county. Yeah, Henderson was the first professional really in Pembrokeshire. He came to Haverford West Cricket Club from the West Indies. He's still hugely involved in West Indian cricket now as an administrator and as a coach. He has uh, coached sort of very senior Welsh, uh, West Indian teams, a thoroughly nice guy. Like Dave Lovell, knew what he wanted. He did an immense amount of coaching, which I thought was brilliant. Um, he coached not only Hanford West Youth, but any other club that wanted a bit of help. Hendy was there to do it. He was hugely popular in Hanford West and around the county. He was very, very competitive, a very useful opening bat, very classy not quite as good as Dave Lovell, I have to say that, but a very classy player and a very nice off-spin bowler as well. Terrific in the field, great motivator for others, certainly helped Harvard West raise the threshold. You know, he, he provides an argument like Dave Lovell for having uh, professional players as long as they're coaching, as long as the part of their remit is to do that and every club has a chance to get someone in. Uh, Fraser makes the point that, you know, St. Clanrian um, got theirs by... Uh, offering him some work. Uh, St. Ishmael's did the same, and I think Whitland did the same with their very good professionals as well. So, you know, there's ways around actually having to pay, perhaps, mm. especially in our county where there's lots of temporary work. So we'll see how that sorts out. Um, Fraser's talking to Paul Webb this week, so uh, he's a former chairman and a good guy, so we'll have some sense out of him mm. as well. Henderson Springer, star man. Well, let's have a listen. Uh, this was actually back in 2011. He'd been involved as an assistant coach uh, with the West Indies in the Cricket World Cup that took place in that year. Yeah. And, and when we spoke to him, we actually asked him to just think back about some of his memories uh, from his time playing cricket for Haverford West. So this is him talking about his time in the county. I, I can tell you something, and I always say it, it was one of the best times of my life, not, not cricket career, but life, it changed me a lot. I've met some tremendous people, which I've been able to keep, I've kept the friendship with over the years. And I remember going to, to Haverford West Cricket Club in May, May 2nd, 1992. And um, I left, I left in, in September of 
of 95. It was a tremendous time. It was a tremendous time. Uh, and it was a funny time, too. I met a lot of funny characters and stuff like that. And it, it taught me not to take a lot of things too seriously because I always used to be a serious, intense guy and, you know, a professional cricketer in every sense of the word. But it's, it's, sometimes you've got to let your hair down and mm. relax and, you know, and bring people on, whether they play for your club or not. And I've made some tremendous friends from other clubs as well. Well, that was our archive interview for this week. That was Henderson Springer uh, speaking to Bill and I back in 2011. And he was another overseas cricketer like David Level, Bill, as you say, who made his mark on cricket in Pembrokeshire. There's no doubt about it. We'll try and get him on the show live. Mm. Well, live is difficult unless he can, we can wangle a time and he's prepared to get up a bit yeah. early. But, but we'll have him on the show updated now soon. Yeah, that would be excellent. We'll be back through the archives again at same time next Saturday. Bill, enjoy your weekend watching the, the Six Nations. Uh, good luck to Wales tomorrow against Ireland. We've got England, Scotland, and we've got Italy, France to come. So enjoy that. And you, you take care and look after yourself, man. Stay safe. Swift 
and Willow on Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. Saturday morning, Pure West Sports. Thank you very much for being with us. Good to hear from Bill Kahn. Bill back with us on Monday evening between 7 and 9 for Pure West Sports. And you just heard our archive interview with Henderson Springer, a Barbados cricketer who spent some time playing in Pembrokeshire. Topical, of course, because we featured David Lovell on our Monday show. And we were talking about how the fact that we don't have overseas cricketers playing in Pembrokeshire anymore. Could that be something that needs to be looked at again? I'm sure it's a subject we will return to on Pure West Radio in the weeks to come. Right now, let's talk sport with Fraser Watson and have a look at some of the things that have been happening uh, in the world of sport this week. We're going to talk rugby and cricket with Fraser, who joins us right now on the show. Morning, Fraser. How are you? Morning, Ben. Not so bad. Thank you. Good. Plenty to talk about, actually. And we've got Premier League football to come a bit later. But let's just talk about the rugby first, because you uh, have been tweeting a bit this week about the potential of the Lions going to Australia for their tour with South Africa. Now, this sounds a bit crazy. This is the COVID world we live in. What was your reaction when, with, to the possibility of the Lions tour going to Australia? Well, look, Ben, I think, we, you know, to reiterate something we've already been over before, nobody wants to see a Lions tour outside of what is a designated host country. You know, it's never going to be the same. And in any of the year, this would go down as a basket case idea. But unfortunately, unprecedented times do call for unprecedented solutions. There has been the theory that it could be hosted in Britain. Again, I think that takes away a lot of the prestige and esteem that goes with the Lions tour. Having it in Australia wouldn't be ideal. Um but I do think it's a much more viable solution than Lions having it at home. At least you do have the touring element still in it, of it still in it. But, you know, it depends on so many things as well, Ben. It has to be safe at that time. Obviously, there's got to be a huge amount of work going into the logistics of this. And the South African you know, Rugby Association who are going to miss out so much financially by not having the Lions over. They have to be reimbursed sufficiently. I don't think you can fully reimburse them. You can't put the money back into the local economy, their pubs, their clubs, their hotels that obviously they would have made. But there need to be some financial gain in it for them as well. Otherwise, they're going to look at huge losses. But it seems a serious offer, doesn't it, from from the Australian uh, Rugby Union to, to host this. And actually, if the key to the, the Lions is, is the fact that it's a tour, that would take the box as long as it was safe. Yes, yes, the offer is legitimate. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and to be fair, Australia as a country has, has handled its protocols and handled the whole COVID-19 pandemic far better than we have. We can see that with the cases now. I think we spoke on this show to Dave Level last week, didn't we? One case in, in Perth and the whole of Western Australia shut down for five days. You know, that, that's how serious they take it. So it, you'd certainly you'd say you trust their, their protocols far more than you trust ours. But then, Ben, it's probably also been put into perspective in the days that, that preceded this development, the Australian Open. We've all seen the cases emerge. There's currently 600 officials, players, coaches due to be at that tennis tournament who are now in quarantine. You know, so my my concern is while I, I you know, applaud the, the Australian authorities for putting this idea together, is this far out? There's still a lot of guesswork involved. You know, we. Should, Yes, we're more positive now because there's a vaccine being rolled out, but we still don't know exactly what situation mm. we're in um, by the time we get to Australia. And is it going to be a scenario like we've had in Melbourne this week where you just have one case and all of a sudden everyone involved in this story is in quarantine? You no, know, so I still think there's a long way to go and there's a lot more medical logistics to be rolled out before, before we can rubber stamp anything like this. But it's worth looking into and if it can go ahead safely and that, that is... You know, the ultimate word, if it can go ahead safely, then then certainly it could be a viable option. Because I don't think delaying it 12 months is going to be. 
And would you favour that rather than the idea that has been suggested? We have spoken briefly about it on our Monday night show as well. The idea that the, that the tour actually takes place in the UK. So the Lions host rather rather than go on tour. Would, would, would it be preferable to play them in Australia rather than, you know, play some games in Cardiff, play some games in Twickenham or, or, or in Scotland, perhaps? It certainly would, Ben. You know, it takes away the whole mystique of the Lions the traditions that go with it to have them playing home games you know that the whole point of the tour is you have to travel across the world you know you have to adapt to a different culture you have to adapt to different time zones that's those are the challenges that come with being a lion and those are the challenges you've got to rise to you know I'd, and if it was to happen in australia I'd, I'd give south africa precedence on everything changing rooms you know first choices on those sort of things make mm. them feel at home as possible and yeah make it as difficult as possible for the lions because that's what a lion's tour should be it's the ultimate test of traveling across the world so i'd certainly favour the Australian option over a UK one well time will tell Let, let's see are you confident we're going to get a Lions tour in in some form or another Fraser if, if you had to be pressed right now I think so Ben I, I think I would go with it being on in some form at the moment I think mm. the authorities wouldn't be going to these lengths if it was going to be called off I think that decision would almost have been made by now to be honest OK, um, stay with us because we're just going to look how the ongoing um, COVID-19 restrictions are, are impacting cricket. And it's the case very much, actually, for the Welsh Fire, the, the newly formed side that will take part in the hundreds later on this year. Uh, a couple of players who were meant to play have, have actually withdrawn this week. So we'll get a bit more from Fraser on that in just a few moments right here on Pure West Sport. The Valero Community Update on Pure West Radio keeps you updated with the various projects Valero are supporting in Pembrokeshire. From sports clubs, schools, charities and musicians to members of staff from Valero who volunteer their time. We hear about the latest community projects Valero do to support our community on the last Wednesday of every month at 9.30am and 5.30pm only on Pure West Radio. If you miss it, catch up on the podcast at purewestradio.com. The Valero Community Update. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Pembrokeshire Vision Arts Wales, a brand new creative hub in Haverford West. Playing host to a youth and amateur theatre company, a show-stopping choir and a multitude of masterclasses from Broadway and West End talent calling all actors, singers, dancers and those who want to bring the West End to Wales. Vision Arts has the spotlight and the curtain is about to rise. Ready to take centre stage? Visit visionartswales.com <laughs> Loch Farm Ice Cream Handmade delicious ice cream using the milk of their 350 free-range cows right here from their Pembrokeshire family farm. Come and try the extensive range of flavours which include traditional banana, blackberry, chocolate, coffee, ginger, lemon, Pembrokeshire honey, Pembrokeshire salted caramel, raspberry truffle, pistachio, strawberry and many more at their newly opened shop on the Riverside, Haverford West. They offer a range of sizes from small tubs and cones to eat on the go or insulated takeaway tubs for you to enjoy at your own pleasure. Loch Farm Ice Cream. This is Pure West Radio. Across Pembrokeshire, 24 hours a day.
Saturday morning, it's Pure West Radio with Nelly Furtado on the opening weekend of the Six Nations. We've got Gordon Thomas joining us very soon to preview that. We'll get all of Gordon's thoughts ahead of the kickoff in this year's Six Nations. Who does he think is going to win it? Who's going to be key for Wales and some of the other sides as well? That's still to come before nine. But we're having a look at some of the sporting stories from this week with Fraser Watson, who is still with us. And Fraser, uh, the big news, of course, from cricket this week, especially in Wales, was the fact that Mitchell Stark and Steve Smith were due to play for the Welsh Fire in the competition that kicks off this summer, having been postponed last year. But unfortunately, Smith and Stark have confirmed this week they won't be taking part. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ben. I think um, we've just obviously touched on the Lions Tour. So I think the final nail in the coffin to that idea of going to South Africa actually came from Cricket Australia. They've withdrawn from their Test Match series in South Africa. It was due to take place in March because of safety concerns regarding this new COVID variant. And um, it has had uh, a lasting impact over here. Like you said, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, really heralded signings when the Welsh Fire managed to get hold of them, would have drawn a few crowds in, have now withdrawn. Um you know, there's, there's still some big names there. Johnny Bairstow, Liam Plunkett, and I do believe now the fire will have high in the priority of, of the two options they'll get in the next draft to replace Smith and Stark. But no, it, 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 it's a big blow because it's a tournament that's it's a lot of dubious thoughts about this 100. It's wait to see how it's going to pan out. Mm. But certainly star names in Wales would have helped attract the crowds and they are two of the biggest ones in the world, aren't they? Yeah, let's hope they do come back in the future. And, and just whilst we're on the subject of touring sides going to South Africa, we spoke about the Lions and the possibility of the tour moving to Australia. The Australian cricket side were meant to be playing in South Africa. They, they've decided that that series won't take place. Obviously, for, for coronavirus reasons, it means Australia will miss out on some preparation with the Ashes in mind later on this year, doesn't it? But we're seeing this happen quite a bit, aren't we? Teams deciding not to make trips at the moment. I think so. And again, for all the positivity about the vaccine, I think for the next five, six, seven months, trips abroad are still going to be very precarious, you know, in all sports. And you can't blame the Australian authorities. There are big problems in Africa with this new variant, as there are over here. You know, let's not mask that. And and it's a big blow, though, to 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 world cricket, to be honest, because mm. you look at Australia, you look at England, you look at India, and, and these are these are authorities that are they're cricket authorities anyway, supplemented by big in, big incomes. You know, not so much in South Africa. They need these tours, they need these visitors. You know, they need fans back in stadiums, and they need the revenue. So it's a huge blow for South Africa as a whole. It's obviously a blow to Australia's chances as well. Hopefully, it hampers them a bit for later in the year. But um, but yes, it, it is sad to see because we. We all want to be back seeing the best play the best again, don't we? I think it's yeah, an considerable time before that happens. I should say well done to Joe Root as well. 100 test matches for England. That could be something we can maybe pick up on Monday show. Because I know Bill's a, a big fan of Joe Root, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, Joe Root has divided a bit of opinion. and Perhaps that's unfair. You look at his statistics, his run record, his, even his captaincy win record, actually. is very good. very good in comparative to those that have gone before him. But it's a defining year for him. I think, you know, there has been question mark before over his conversion rate. He, he certainly addressed that one in Sri Lanka um, when, yeah. when he got past 50, didn't he? Went on twice to score, to score a double hundred and then a very big hundred as well. But it, it, it's a defining year for you as captain, that's for sure. You know, you live you live and die as on an Ashes series as an England skipper, don't you? He's now lost one away. He failed to regain the Ashes at home, albeit a drawn series. He's now going to Australia under pressure to... Re- to win them, you know, and um, so, yeah, he's, he's a marvellous talent, Ben, and, and, and I'm sure in time history will we'll judge him favourably. Let's not 
let's not get away from the fact it's a huge 12 months coming up for him. And you hope that the pressures of the captaincy, and there will be big pressures this year, don't detract from his batting. No, you're absolutely right. Plenty of sport to watch this weekend. Uh, the game of the weekend probably is tomorrow. Uh, that's Liverpool against Man City, who, who look bang in form. Uh, Villa Arsenal at lunchtime today. And Manchester United, Everton. We've got to start taking Man U a bit seriously, I think, Fraser, in, in terms of the title challenge. Big game for Manchester United, actually, Ben, because if they can win this evening, and then it means they will have one eye, at least on, on Manchester mm. City, Liverpool tomorrow. It's must win for Liverpool now. We all know that. I think the gap is with seven points and with City's game in hand. You yeah. know, that, that result at, at Brighton seems the latest in the series of hammer blows. Manchester City clicking into gear at exactly the right time. And, and I think the rest of, of the competition Manchester City are involved in. You know, you look at their opponents there. They've got certain opponents in the FA Cup on Wednesday. I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. And obviously, they're still in the Champions League as well. They won't want to see Manchester City sauntering away with the Premier League title. You know, they want to see Manchester City being pushed to the limit in every competition they're in because that helps them. So, I think for the sake of the league, a Liverpool win would be more favourable on Sunday. But um, if they weren't to get that, and then it's almost title race over, isn't it? You know, you've got yeah. United trying to hang on to their coattails there. The one thing I will say for Liverpool is they really struggled of late against teams who have come up and set up deep, you know, especially at Anfield. We could talk about Brighton, we talked about Burnley, we talked about West Brom. Manchester City won't do that. You know, they will let Liverpool play, which could, could work into Liverpool's hands as well. So mm. the one thing about those two teams, they do tend to produce a good, exciting open game to watch. So regardless of the result, let's, let's hope we get one. Yeah, indeed. OK, so Villa Arsenal 12.30, Burnley Brighton and Newcastle Southampton, the two three o'clocks today. Uh, Fulham West Ham at 5.30 and Manu Everton at 8 o'clock. Uh, Fraser, thank you for being with us. Uh, we will see you again Monday evening between 7 and 9 for more on Pure West Sport. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Ben.
Jamiroquai and Cosmic Girl on Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone, Pure West Sport, on a really exciting Saturday morning because it's the opening weekend of the Six Nations and we are going to preview it right now with three games going on this weekend. Gordon Thomas is with me to have a look at all the fixtures and to rate the chances of the sides in action on this opening Six Nations weekend. And we're going to start, Gordon, with the game between Italy and France that features the only player from Pembrokeshire taking part in this weekend's round of Six Nations matches. And he doesn't happen to be playing for Wales. He's actually playing for Italy, Ben. Yes, Stephen Varney, uh, the son of uh, former Nice flanker Adrian Varney, has been picked uh, at Scrum Half to play against Le Blues this afternoon. So he's picking up his fourth cap. He's only 19 as well, Ben. Mm. What, what a stage to be on for a teenager. And uh, I can tell you he's up against some strong opposition. Uh, the uh, 2020 player of the championship was uh, DuPont, the scrum half, who had an excellent tournament. So Stephen Varney's going to have his hands full this afternoon, mm. not only with the, the France pack, but with uh, probably the play, the best player in the tournament. Uh, it's very DuPont. Yeah, very tough start for Italy, no doubt about that. And, and yeah, say, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, I fancy, I'll be honest, Ben, I fancy France for the championship. Um, they've uh, shown mm. great signs of improvement. We do know that the former Welsh defence coach, uh, Sean Edwards, has moved across. And him and Galtier yeah. have um, uh, formed a good partnership. And you can see that France were playing with a bit of, Flair and skill, which they they have in abundance. It's just having the right mentality for the French. And I think they could get it right in this uh, tournament. Mm, Um, mm. There was some sad news as well uh, for France uh, this week. Um, uh, Former skipper uh, Jean-Pierre Bassier uh, passed away uh, aged 71. I don't know whether you were aware of this, mate, but... Me, as growing up, I, I watched Wales in the 70s with Gareth Edwards, Phil Bennett and co. And Bastia was mm. uh, the captain of uh, a very, very strong French squad. And he probably formed probably the strongest ever back row at that particular era or in any era alongside uh, Pierre Reeve and also Jean-Claude Scrella. Those three were more than a handful. So very sad news for mm. uh, for France, but I'm sure they'll go out and try and uh, uh, win this afternoon in uh, in some in some style against uh, the Azuri. Mm. I'm just hoping Barney will grab a try, but the, uh, I'm sure the Le Blues will win quite comfortably. You this would afternoon, you would certainly think so. Yeah, you're quite right there. Mm. The second game today, uh, Gordon, is a big one for the opening weekend of the Six Nations, no doubt about it. Quarter to five at Twickenham, England, Scotland will be as intriguing a clash as it always is. Well, do you realise it's the 150th game that these two uh, gladiators have fought for the Calcutta Cup? Mm. Um, England are obviously uh, the champions. Um, uh, Scotland go there. They only lost 13-6 a few weeks ago in the, the Autumn Championship at Murrayfield. So they can go there with a lot of confidence. I know Finn Russell is being picked at fly-off. they got Stuart Hogg at captain. But England are a very strong uh, unit. Eddie Jones knows his stuff, and he's got a, a wealth of talent to call upon. Um, I know Owen Farrell is captain this afternoon, so George Ford makes way. Um, but, 
you know, they, they, they are very strong all round. And uh, I expect England to uh, gain a comfortable victory at Twickenham this afternoon. Yeah, indeed. And England will push for the, the title again. Do you think, Gordon, we, we spoke about this, didn't we, very briefly on Monday night's show, they'll be in contention. Oh, definitely, uh, Ben. Uh, they, they have a very, very strong squad uh, up front and behind. So, yeah, England will be there or thereabouts. And uh, unless they have a real, real off day uh, later on this evening against Scotland, which I don't envisage, uh, England should uh, prove more than a match for all the home nations and France. So it, it's going to be interesting. It's important that you get a great start in this championship mm. and um, England will be looking to do that. Yeah, and, be... and obviously Scotland will be trying to upset well, the apple cart as well. No doubt and, about it. Uh, Scotland are they more are than... capable of doing it yes. on their day. You know? yeah, so uh, that's the good thing about this Six Nations. that No game is a given, is it? No, absolutely right. And, and all eyes then tomorrow, Gordon will turn to the Principality Stadium at three o'clock starts in Cardiff for Wales Island. Another brilliant fixture to kick off the opening weekend of matches. And the headline news for Wales is that Alan Wynne-Jones is fit and leads the team. But we'll just be asking really going into this game, what Wales are going to turn up? Will it be the one that disappointed during the autumn internationals or, or, or will it be more of the one that's impressed in recent Six Nations? What do you make of Wales' chances tomorrow? Well, Wales were 2019 Grand Slam champions and they then they slumped in form after the World Cup. Uh, a change of coach, uh, coach from uh, Gatland to Pivot. Uh, and things haven't really settled down very well in the Welsh camp, to be fair. There's been a little bit of unrest. Um, hopefully, uh, this, uh, tomorrow afternoon, Wales will uh, get their act together. They're capable of doing it. They have a, a good squad. Um, there was a little bit of uh, Josh Adams got suspended uh, for two games for break, breaching the COVID-19 protocols. It was very disappointing, to be honest with you. But in his place comes uh, Hallam Amos on the wing. Uh, we've got Lee Halfpenny at fullback and the teenager Lewis uh, Rees-Namit on the wing. Um, George North and Johnny Williams are in mm. the centres, uh, Ben. Our own Jonathan Davis has picked up another injury, so he'll have to sit this one out, unfortunately. Halfbacks is uh, Thomas Williams comes back in at scrum half. Um, the Cardiff Blues uh, number nine. He, he is a terrier. He got a good service. So uh, Dan Bigger should have some decent ball off him as long as the forwards can uh, win some decent possession of, against a very strong Irish pack. Uh, in the front row, we got Wynne Jones, Ken Owens returns at hooker, and Thomas Francis, who is an experienced front row. Second row is um, Adam Beard, alongside the, the vastly experienced skipper Alan Wynne Jones. In the back row is a big return for Dan Lydiat, who's uh, mm. been out of the, the Welsh uh, scene for a number of seasons. But Dan forms his formation back in the back row with Justin Tipperick and Falato. The three of them are all British Lions, so uh, if they uh, can uh, turn on the style this afternoon and get some good ball for the Welsh backs, it could be an interesting afternoon. Uh, but obviously Ireland are strong, very strong as well. You can't knock them. Kieran uh, uh, Healy is uh, winning his 50th cap, uh, the prop. Uh, Andy Farrell has handed him his 50th cap, which is good to see. 
Johnny Sexton is uh, skipper at uh, Fly Half. And um, there's a return for Robbie Henshaw and Gary, Gary Ringrose uh, in, set, in the centres. Uh, this is the first time they've been paired together since the 2019 World Cup. Uh, also, Tag Furlong is named on the bench after making a long-awaited return from injury for Leinster for last weekend uh, when they uh, absolutely hammered the Scarlets at Party mm. Scarlets. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, Ireland uh, are no mugs. I, I, I wouldn't like to say what's going to happen tomorrow afternoon. I'm hoping, yeah. obviously, for a Wales win. But, you know, Irish uh, eyes could be smiling come the end of the day. Final question then, Gordon, because he has come in for a bit of criticism after the autumn campaign. What does a good Six Nations look like for Wayne Pivak at the moment? Obviously, he's had a very difficult start, uh, man. And it's a results business, unfortunately. Um, I think this is quite a crucial point for uh, Wayne Pivak. Um, he needs to get uh, the team firing on all cylinders and um, putting in some decent displays. But more importantly, I think the fans would like a, a, a few more wins under their belt in this campaign. Um, we have to be patient because it's a transitional uh, period, but it's important uh, that uh, Wales can get off to a flyer and They've got really tough opponents tomorrow afternoon in Ireland who are, you know, firing well at the moment. So um, they need to upset the uh, the form book to actually go and win. And that's strange saying that when we have home advantage, but it is a big, big game. And it's only the first game as well then. Mm. They have to hit the ground running, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, Gordon, definitely. enjoy your Six Nations weekend. Uh, let's hope for a good start for Wales and thank you very much for being with us. We will see you on Monday for, for more on Pure West Sport. Yeah, enjoy your weekend, Ben. I look forward to speaking to you on Monday evening. Try not to wait.
Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. With the latest news for Pembrokeshire, I'm Kim Thomas. A further 44 new cases of coronavirus have been recorded in the three counties of Pembrokeshire, Carmarthenshire and Ceredigion, according to Public Health Wales figures released on Friday, February the 5th. Today's figures show 25 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 11 in Pembrokeshire and 8 in Ceredigion. In Wales, 399 new cases have been confirmed and 45 new suspected COVID-19 deaths have also been reported by Public Health Wales. The total number of cases in Wales is now 194,924 with 4,912 deaths.